0: News Now Sports has your all-access pass To all things Hawkeyes This is Eye on the Hawks Sponsored by University of Iowa Healthcare.
1: We should have gone left Um, I'm really disappointed in myself for sure But I just gotta keep my head up Keep moving He has some tough shots Um, We let him get to what he likes to do And That's what we deserve. Jameer Young comes to play. Welcome to another episode of Eye on the Hawks. Basketball edition. Owen Sebron, Curtis Fader, and Mike Howell. Mike was one out there shooting the basketball game last night. Last night was a tough one for the Hawkeyes. uh, Losing by two to Maryland after leading pretty much the entire game. Mike, is that about right? Uh, It seems like as I was watching the game on the Big Ten Network, they were leading pretty much wire to wire in that game, weren't they?
2: Um, Yeah, so basically... We were even texting during the game, and I'm like, Owen, oh, like, I was talking about what kind of highlights you wanted and stuff like that, and I was like, well, unless Maryland makes a, you know, a run of some sort because they were up by like 7 and when I was texting you about halftime, um, I'll just send back high, Hawkeye highlights. And then uh, Jameer Young just kind of went off. Yeah. So it was kind of one of those games where uh, Iowa couldn't really shoot deep, and when they don't do that, they can lose anyone. When they shoot well, they can kind of beat anyone. Very disappointing loss, though. In the grand scheme of things, this is a quad three loss, Mm. it's their second of the season. Uh, The other one was at home against Michigan, so Mm. definitely a missed opportunity to try and stack some wins together against kind of the softer part of the schedule. Very disappointing though uh, overall.
1: Yeah, it it was just so many things. I mean the biggest thing that you look at for the Hawkeyes that is troublesome right now is the fact that um, last five minutes and 44 seconds of yesterday's game did not score a single field goal. Um, last four minutes and 44 seconds of the game against Purdue did not score a single field goal. I mean, this team is just like not closing it out right now, just not finding any work. And and part of that I know last night was Owen Freeman fouled out with about five minutes left, didn't he?
2: Yeah, he did. And I I don't know if this is for sure, but I don't remember him fouling out at any time, so this might be his first foul out of his career. Not 100% sure on that.
1: It's also not the first time he's been in foul trouble, though. Yeah. Yeah. And I know the big talking point online that I saw on Twitter was just that the referees are having trouble figuring out how to call Owen Freeman. I mean, he's, he's just kind of a unique style of player right now for being so young, but still kind of aggressive. And it seems like, I don't know, the officiating seemed like maybe a problem. What, what did you think, I guess, last night? Iowa fans are off.
2: <laughs> well, I did hear a few F-bombs from, from, Kirk, uh, from Kirk, from uh, Fran last night, uh, just on the sideline, on the baseline, where you can hear that. Um, I, I think it's what we've seen in college basketball, Overall, I mean, just inconsistencies. I think a lot of the two games he's played against Zach Edie and every time I watched a Purdue game, it seems like he can do no wrong. I, it's very tough to guard him because he's much bigger than everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least on Saturday, it seemed like he could just barrel his way down low, you know, get it, get a bucket and it's a foul. Yeah. Or on defense, you know, just because he's so much he has so much mass, he could just move his body around, yep. do whatever. But on the other end, you know, Owen, um, since he's a little smaller than than Zach Eady and stuff like that, um, he, he couldn't do that much. I thought a couple of his fouls were head scratching, mm-hmm. but at the same time, um, you know, I don't know what you do there if if you're him.
1: Yeah, Eady's. I mean, it's so wild watching him play, just because. When he's under the hoop, it's like, no matter where the ball goes, Edie has a body part that can go there and reach it. I mean, it's just like his yeah. arms just cover so much space. Just a rebound can be pulled down from anywhere It's so
2: unnatural, court. too, when he does grab one and, and fans are like, that's over the back, when it's really just, <laughs> really not. It's, it's it's just puzzling sometimes. Yeah,
1: which I, I remind our viewers and listeners that there's no such foul as over the back. Um, so just keep that in mind that there's, that does not actually exist. So there's no need to call, tell the refs to call it because that is not anything that they're ever going to call it because it doesn't exist. Anyway. Is
2: that different in the women's game? Because the combat. Common- commentator on the game on Sunday oh that's over the back and it was a foul call do you I know the,
1: I, is that different I, I don't know for sure I know that like the I only foul because that that well, you, the you commentator. have to respect the
3: box out right like that's the that's where the foul usually comes when you're you know, swatting forward, locking arms when you're getting boxed out, but you still yeah. want the ball anyway.
1: The foul that will sometimes be called is like a push. Like if they come in and yeah. they push them from behind, that is a foul. But there's no there's no rule against like reaching over somebody's back to grab a rebound. That's just good gameplay if you can pull it over. Or good genetics. Uh, or <laughs> that too. Just, <laughs> just when you're doing that, when yeah. you're doing that, you usually, or body, usually it is going to be some contact. Yeah. Made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. Um... But I think we were looking at the records last night, Curtis, because I know in the last podcast we kind of said, like, hey, if this team can get to 20 wins, that's probably a pretty good benchmark for making the NCAA tournament. But since our last podcast, they're 0-2. So what, what is it their record is now, Curtis? So I've got- right now they're at 11-8. and eight,
3: And to reach your benchmark, they'd have to win nine of their next 12. But three of those games, two games against current 10th ranked Illinois, one of them at home against 13th ranked Wisconsin, and you also have rematches with Maryland, Minnesota, and you got a couple games against Penn State. And Ohio State's no joke either. Yeah, It's not looking good.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it is a tough uphill climb if they want to get back in an NCAA tournament play. They just look so good since losing those three games in a row back in mid-December. They've been so good since then. You know, the, the uh, Purdue loss notwithstanding, um, but this that Maryland loss really... Just cast a shadow of doubt on whether or not this team has what it takes to to make the postseason
2: Here's uh, the killer too: with three of the next four games I got the schedule up on if you're watching the youtube stream Are on the road, but if you look at the net in the far right column, you know The net's not perfect, but it is a good indicator of like where you sit Mm -hmm. in in college basketball These are all You know, michigan is 95 indiana's 100 penn state's 119th. That's around even on the road That's a quad two. That's not going to be a quad one win. That's a quad two win if you do it. Mm -hmm. And you know how this team hasn't played. They did get the win against Minnesota on the road. But I think Michigan, who's already beaten Iowa at home, Indiana and Penn State, those are going to be tough games. And if you look on the back half of the schedule, like Curtis was saying, how they play Illinois, Mm -hmm. uh, Wisconsin, Michigan State, who's a top 20 net team, Like you're going to have to go 4-0 if you want a legitimate shot. And I just don't see that from this team right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, if they lose even two of these next four games, I feel like you can just almost certainly say goodbye to any NCAA tournament homes. Mm-hmm. Um, last night, the main problem was uh, Jameer Young, who I think had eight points in the last a minute and 24 seconds, I believe is what I looked up. I mean, he just couldn't miss and then, of course, beat Peyton Sanford on that last play where he hit it at the buzzer with, uh, well, not at the buzzer, but with a second and a half left to play. And so um, he was the guy last night and... Um, there's a lot of people saying good things about him. I know Casey Frerich said that he, he beat up Illinois pretty good when they were playing each other. And um, here's Fran McCaffrey talking about
0: Jameer Young's game last night. It was a go screen, and it was a great read by Peyton to switch. He just needed to jump out to his left hand a little bit more, obviously.
1: Jameer was one for six, one for five at halftime, and yeah. picked it up in the second half. Is that just a good player? That's what he team? does.
0: You've got to give him credit. You know, we have to do a better job there. Uh, that was disappointing because you know he's the guy and we let him kind of dictate coming down the stretch without, uh, you know, especially after you hit the first one. You know, you got to do a better job there.
1: I admit I haven't followed along with the Big Ten players who's doing super well so far this year outside of some of the teams that Iowa's played so far. Did Mike, did Jameer Young look like legit, I mean, is he a first-team All-Big Ten type of player? I don't know. I, I don't know. I doubt first team.
2: Although really? sometimes they put like more than five guys. He definitely was the best player on the court, though. I think at least um, he didn't have the first half that you'd want him to. But he ended the game with what like uh, seventeen points. No, that's Julian Reese. Um, Twenty-two points overall. He hit two threes in the last yeah. couple minutes. That really, I think both times they gave Maryland the lead with either, he was either tied or um, or I think they were losing in both cases. Mm-hmm. And then hit that final layup which he just kind of we were all sitting on the sideline we we're like that's too easy you yeah, can just let him so easy. go to the freaking hoop like that yeah.
3: I think he would be a first team all big 10 I was just looking up his game logs average 20.8 points a game really? he's gone for 37 on the road against UCLA he's gone for 36 on the road against Northwestern this guy's capable of getting buckets. Yeah. So that's probably first team Big Ten and,
1: material. And that's the problem for Iowa this year, is that as much as they've gotten good production from a lot of different places, and so many games a different person steps up, whether it's Perkins or Owen Freeman or Sanford, um, but we still maybe just don't know who this team's go-to player is. Like, is it Peyton Sanford? Is it Tony Perkins? we don't know who that guy is right now. I mean, do you guys have an indication of who you think would be that person? Like if it came down to the wire, who's getting the last shot in the game?
3: That's the good point because first three quarters, you're thinking maybe Ben Crickey, hmm. but he's been hot and cold. Everyone's been hot and cold recently where it's like, oh, this is the Tony Perkins game. This is the Peyton Sanford game. This is the Ben Crickey game. Mm-hmm. And then this is the exact thing that we were talking about. Now they have figured out sort of what their crunch time five is, but now that they have it, who's getting the ball? Yeah. and Cr- That's confusing.
1: Cricky's such a weird one for me because it's like he looks so good at times, but then other times I legitimately forget disappears. that he's on the team. <laughs> like he's just that game against gone
2: Creighton, out. man. He was just hitting everything, and then just games will disappear. Last night it was it was Payton. Mm-hmm. Now they were there was some talk over that last play if they were going. There's about a, two seconds left, one point seven, I believe. Uh, someone asked him post game, um, "Hey, was someone supposed to call timeout?" Because Tony even said he thought he heard a teammate call timeout behind him. Mm-hmm. They didn't get it to him. Um, Peyton said he thought it might be tips so the clock was running, you know, so he just like, I got to shoot it and he was a little off balance. Good contest from Maryland. Yeah. Um, but he was the one with the ball in his hands at the end and you think if this team's going to go far, it's going to be either one of him or Tony. Mm-hmm. But we have these two, they, they, they were asked about who the go-to guy is last night. We can listen to him um, respond right now.
1: Yeah. All right now it's been Tony. Um, you know, I've been disappearing in big moments. And, um, that's something I want to be a lot better at. Um, you know, I'm working hard to get open. Um, they're kind of keying in late, but I me and Tony have made some big time plays down the stretch and, and I got to help my brother out. In my opinion,
2: whoever whoever's cooking, whoever got the high end, you know, it's somebody different every night, you know. Um, I don't really care to have that moment, but if I see somebody open, I'm gonna give them the ball, you know, like Peyton open or Jay, Josh Dix or anybody's open in a crunch moment, I'm gonna give it up. I'm not a tough player,
1: so. And that's not so much of a problem, I don't think, for this team if there are, I mean, because there are talented guys on the team who are capable of um, Mm -hmm. getting buckets down the stretch if they need to from, you know, from the two guys that you just heard from to, you know, Owen Freeman could be that guy, um, you know. But can they get open? Yeah. Yeah. Or even a guy like uh, Josh Dix could be that guy. I mean, he's been stepping up and playing well, but just don't know. Um, One thing they mentioned
3: response from Peyton there.
2: Yeah, they they were pretty dejected. You really feel for them when you go in the locker room, in or not the locker room, in the the press room in the, in the back. And they, I mean, Peyton and Tony, they didn't even want to be there. You could see him. I felt bad for him. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> after the game, after that last shot, since Peyton was on defense, that the shot that they he that they gave him the lead and the missed shot at the end, he was just dejected on the on the front on the ground. Yeah. And Tony went and picked him up. So it's good to see that team unity mm-hmm. and that they're they're bonding. We um, just hope that it turns into something clicks in the next few games.
1: And as we look at this schedule, these next four games, that's going to be the, the gut checkpoint for this season, I think, because as I mentioned, if you lose a couple of these games, then I think that your hopes of an NCAA tournament are over. I still think that you could very easily play your way into the NIT and, and be a, have a postseason, uh, some sort of postseason tournament in your future if you're Iowa, but if you won the NCAA tournament, you really are going to have to pick up the speed right now. Um, do you think that this team has had an NBA player on the roster for the last what, like five seasons, I think? Something like that from whenever Luka Gars would have started. Even before that, I guess. I don't know if... Would, who would have been right before him? Aaron White? Um,
2: Yeah, I don't think he I mean, got a... There's
3: been a was few drafted, Hawkeyes but, that
1: like, were drafted, maybe played a year and
3: then got sent overseas.
1: Yeah, that have spent some time in the league. Do you, do you guys think that there's an NBA player on this roster? No.
2: I think Peyton will get a, a tryout mm-hmm. and he'll get a... Maybe a, Um,
1: He'll be a
3: great addition to the... Uh, Rip City Remix.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think he's gonna get a shot just because he can shoot, yeah. and yeah. you know, there's there's role players out there. I don't foresee him doing much there, um, but you know, he is a what is he a junior? He can still mm-hmm. develop um, some game. His when...
3: NBA value would be three and D, and we just did not see the D last <laughs> night. So yeah. hopefully that gets improved a little bit. Defense will usually gets role players on the court, so.
1: My opinion is if Jordan Bohannon can be on a G League team, then, then Peyton Sanford can be. <laughs> That's what I was
2: looking at. I don't think he's yeah. going to make you know, have a long career in the NBA, but I think he'll yeah. get a shot. And I think, there was even a mock draft or before the season that had him getting drafted in the second round. Is that right? I don't know how credible it was. I just saw it, and I was like, oh. And it was too. right after. Right. He was getting picked right before Edie. And it just goes <laughs> to show you how different the NBA is. With, yeah. When a player like Edie can't sniff, you know. Yeah. Um, serious minutes because he doesn't have an outside game
1: and there's guys that i think can play pro ball i mean even tony perkins is talented enough to play professionally maybe in the g league even but
2: or overseas i mean all the, yeah. overseas there's always opportunities yeah
3: which is also underrated you still get paid pretty well you're a professional player
2: yeah speaking sure. of aaron white i think he's still playing in one of those leagues i think in asia
1: he was he the one that was on the rockets last year even
2: uh that was probably utah or um well not utah I don't think White was. He was playing overseas for the Somebody past several years.
1: I could have
3: sworn that White, I think, won MVP in Japan. Don't quote me on I think, that. I
2: think I was going to say Japan, but I wasn't 100% sure.
1: Yeah. Anyway, um, so we know what's next for these guys. Uh, we don't know what's next for uh, the gambling investigation, where that stands. I, I mean, I, I just came in here in the last 20 minutes and. Who knows what could have changed in this gambling investigation. Seems like it's a day-by-day thing that uh, Keith Murphy is tweeting out updates to <laughs> the, the latest happenings for the DCI investigation. What's happening? Um, I, I, I just don't know what's ahead for this because football season's over. I mean, we can't change anything that happened with, with Noah Shannon or any of the guys who were on the football team at, at either Iowa or Iowa State. Um, here's kind of a look at the timeline if you're watching on our YouTube page on Monday. Um, there's a court filing that accused the DCI agent who was in charge of the search of warrantless searches. Um, then just on Tuesday, uh, the court filing include testimony from a DCI agent who believed the agency lied to agents um, and conducted illegal searches of the players in question um, that had their phones seized, et cetera. Um, and so we, we just don't know what the road ahead is. Uh, we, we've, we're in the midst of wrestling season and as we spoke to Tom Brands yesterday, um, he certainly had opinions. Uh, a lot of both of the wrestling coaches in the state have some major opinions on here. We heard from Kevin Dresser on Tuesday and yesterday. Tom Brands was asked about it and didn't uh, didn't want to speak for too long on it, but he did have uh, have some thoughts to share about this investigation.
0: I don't really have initial thoughts. It probably, you know, the way that it's described and whenever basic liberties were infringed upon, shouldn't happen in this country. Shouldn't happen in the state of Iowa. Um, you know, you want a big story now, where was the urgency to find out the truth when this thing went down and it didn't make sense? That's what I would say to everybody in this room. Where was the urgency? Now it comes out, now you want reaction. And I'll just be a real patient guy and we'll see what comes of it. I know one thing, we got a lot of guys upstairs that are ready to go because of what happened. And we got guys that were impacted and are still being impacted by that, that are still ready to go because of the way that we've talked to them. You never know what will happen. Be ready. Cassiope, be ready. Nelson Brands, be ready. Kobe Sebrek, be ready.
1: So at the end of the day, we are the problem, as it turns out.
2: I really had issue with with his <laughs> framing of that. I, yeah, And I a lot of people on Twitter are like, eating it up because the media is always number one enemy mm. um i don't know exactly how you're supposed to get dci state agents who no one even knew they were on the case because dci isn't saying anything mm-hmm. uh to open up about this and i just heard people say well maybe this journal- journalist should get dci uh sources it's like we
3: can't talk about ongoing investigations at this time
2: i've reached out yeah. to dci several times in the past six months about yeah. this story yeah um and that's the line I got every time. Also,
3: Brilliant. any legal entity, you know you know how people say they hate the media? Yeah, they do too. They're not exactly <laughs> ready to give everything to you. You <laughs> yeah. have to really legally poke and be polite about it, but still. This, you
2: have to- this took um, three individuals I think are still unsettled in the case and one with an NFL bankroll who didn't want to just plea and and pay fines, which a lot of time in the American justice system, that's easier than doing months and months of paying legal fees, Mm -hmm. court fees, going through all this stuff, just pay the $200 fine or whatever it is on a lesser charge. That's how, you know, these criminal investigations go a lot of the times is you get charged on something higher, they plea down to a lesser charge and then boom, you move on because it's easier than spending six months paying for your lawyer to to dig up and depose uh, agents like this. It's kind of ridiculous.
1: Yeah, I I don't understand why it is that they think that the media is the one to blame here, I guess. Um, Why why we're the ones that have to be, that supposedly are the ones that can do all the digging here. I mean, it seems like if you're the university, you should be the ones wanting to hire lawyers to try to look into these investigations more than the media. I mean, I feel like we tried and it seems like that's the weird narrative that I feel like people are trying to spin is they like, oh, yeah, the media just bought it and they went and they tried to bury these kids. And I'm like, I feel like everybody that I know in the media was like on the side of these kids and talked about how this was a bullcrap investigation that the Iowa, these Iowa and Iowa State players were being targeted where nobody else in the country was being targeted. And it didn't make any sense. And I mean, we have to report the facts. We all we reported is that these kids were being kicked off the teams or suspended or uh, not able to play, which was factual. But I don't know what. We're supposed to be doing beyond that if the university isn't doing anything and it's also not point. ethical for us to
3: frame it in a way like man these kids got screwed they're <laughs> off the team like we can't
1: can't yeah. do that yeah all we can do is report what actually happens
2: and i mean without any hard facts behind accusing uh, a state police officer of just illegal searches without any hard evidence is very unethical it's could burn a lot of bridges between our entities that we work for and the state police, which we rely on for investigations on a number of different things. The weirdest part about it, when you bring up the university, is how this search started when they were, I believe, you know, they would set up a geo-fence, which is just basically um, they could monitor who's betting on these certain apps. Um, on an Iowa dorm, they didn't specify which one, I'm assuming it's Hillcrest, because that's where all the athletes live. Okay, But that's just, if you're doing the entire dorm, that's a lot of different kids who aren't athletes who are just students that are probably underage so they could have got hit with uh, charges too yeah but you know you never know
1: one thing I heard about that is uh, I mean obviously there's a question about like why it's Iowa and Iowa State but not like you and I or Drake too um, and uh, a response I heard to that is that I, when I would say, have facilities that are, you know, just football team facility or just an athlete's facility. You and I doesn't really have that. Um, and so, like, that's they're able to set up that geofence around some of these athletes-only facilities.
2: That's interesting, but I guess there's two parts of the geofence. The first one was a dorm, a freshman, oh, sophomore really? dorm. Okay. The second one, and then the DCI agent, I think his name's Ludd, um, uh, Sanger, Agent Sanger, he presented that information from the dorm to a supervisor. His supervisor said... Don't investigate this anymore. We don't got anything, blah, blah, blah. Mm. He goes back and does an athletic facility. And then he presents it to his supervisors. And then he gets the green light. So there were two kind of prongs to the geofence. Mm. According to these filings from, uh, we should add that these filings on Monday mm. were from Isaiah Lee's attorney. And they're asking the judge for the state and uh, other people to give all the documents they have between the Racing and Gaming Commission, um, any information email stuff like that on this these searches so they can get kind of because they're setting up for a trial they need all the evidence that the state has been working with
1: mm-hmm. i'm curious to get an opinion on this from you guys because um i mean at the end of the day we still do know that these guys were gambling when they shouldn't have been and they were doing things that were illegal um, either on campus or b- based on the age that they were there was that illegal activity happening the Basis by which we found out that information sounds like that was uh, whatever you want to say nefarious, possibly. Um, but they did find illegal activity happening. Do and do the ends justify the means in terms of finding out illegal activity? Um, well, does, it, does it matter how you go about finding that illegal activity if something illegal is happening? Well, the problem is if that's the only evidence you have, you have to find
3: a way to prove that they did it without using the evidence that was illegally gathered. So if, you, if those evidence that was collected nefariously are not admissible in court, and you're left with little else, you can't actually convict somebody.
2: We were having this debate yesterday in the newsroom, just kind of like a, you know, and one of our coworkers, our boss was like, well, you know, she compared it to, well, if, some, if guy X, killed guy per guy why and you found out on a legal search shouldn't he still suffer the consequences and we had a a sarah riley on her ask a laura segment she kind of talked about that like kind of a false equivalency because this isn't a murder this is someone betting like 10 bucks on a you know a sports match
3: that's how lawyers make their money even if a guy did it if it's not collected properly and they don't have proper documentation of uh, transfer of possession of materials, everything could be a mistrial. Everything could be eliminate this, even though like strike that from the record, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. That's how defense lawyers make their living. So yeah, No, I'm
2: agreeing with you on the on the back end that this isn't one of this isn't like a murder or anything that, yeah. it, you know, I'd have different opinions on how you found out, you know, where they're just totally different scenario. I think in this situation, like, do you want the government to be able to surveil you Mm -hmm. at all times? Like, I don't. I'm not. I don't do anything illegal at home, though. Mm-hmm. Still, I still don't want them to to know, you know, what you I'm watching. Working around I'm, a Peacock
1: know?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I proudly pay for Peacock. <laughs>
1: yeah. I think I don't know if it's a, any more of a fair comparison about somebody that's maybe using illegal drugs, um, like somebody sure. that whatever say is using heroin at home. That's that's maybe a more, if you want to call it, a similar crime because it's not harming anybody else. It's you know only doing harm to yourself. Um, if you or want to
2: pump it down just marijuana yeah that's more sure. acceptable these days than yeah. heroin
1: but um, so it's like if if somebody uses legal means to find that you're using that or buying that or whatever like again is that is that something that you should still be held accountable for even if the that information is obtained by nefarious means
2: it's a it's an interesting discussion i I do not like the aspect of a government agency surveilling on a hunch, and that's essentially in the first court filing agent Sanger said he didn't remember how he <laughs> Like, that was one of the, the bombshells. <laughs> he didn't remember exactly why he started searching. Uh, he that's just, how you know you're in a corner. He had concerns about um, match fixing and stuff, which the DCI later said in the summer that there wasn't any evidence of match fixing despite a couple players betting on their team, I believe. Um, I forget which Iowa State player bet uh, for Texas one game, but they beat Texas by 25. So it's like it wasn't a it wasn't a, you know, he didn't botch anything. He was right. a starter, but yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that was one of the... Was that the guy who was with the Broncos? The guy who was in the NFL? The D, D, Wazirike? Uh, yeah, uh, Yomo Wazirike. It might have
2: been, but it also might have been... Wasn't Lee a defensive lineman? It might have been Isaiah Lee, because he had one tackle in the game. Like, it wasn't... Oh, yeah. But he was a starter on defense.
1: So, I don't know. I mean, do you, is there a possibility that these wrestlers could actually see time again this year? I mean, do we think that that's a legitimate op- option, like Brands was saying? It's I, possible.
2: I don't see it, because they didn't get charged. They were handed their suspensions by the NCAA. Who right. got, they didn't get the information illegally. They were handed it, and it's still true. Right. you know. And
1: so this is something that still would have to go through so many processes for these guys to see action again because, like, if, again, the charges got dropped or whatever, something happened legally, then the university would have to take this case up again with the NCAA and be like, well, that suspension was uh, taken under false pretenses and under uh, different legal accusations, and there was chicanery involved, and so we need to overrule these suspensions, and so I think there need there's to be a, a, just a lot of channels that would happen. There's to also through. six weeks left. Yeah, exactly. I
2: think there need to be a court order from a judge saying, NCA, you can't suspend these players, these, these wrestlers. Yeah. I don't see that happening within the season. Like you said, there's only six weeks left, because mm-hmm. um, the stuff in the courts were, moves kind of slow.
1: Somebody, I mean, Noah Shannon is a guy everybody's talking about. I mean, his career is, you know, even if somehow he got a year of eligibility like given back to him or something, I don't know if he would (laughs) come back and use it. I mean, he's kind of, I feel like, mentally moved on and he's, you know, trying out for the NFL. Um, Somebody that I think about that could really be affected here is Hunter Deckers um, because he had a couple years left of eligibility uh, for college football. And as it stands right now, I don't think he could play in the NCAA again. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if this court ruling gets overturned then he has a chance to play for a possibly Division One NCAA team again. But
3: Yeah, I don't, don't think it's, it'll be the Cyclones because I think Rocco's got
1: that. It would not be Rock the Cyclones, up. I'm sure, but, you know, I could see him, you know, as a UNI fan. I'd love to see him in a UNI jersey based on the skill he brings to the table. And Or there's there's a lot of just FCS or um, Group of Five teams that Hunter Deckers would be a good fit on. But that is a discussion for weeks down the road, potentially. Let's move on and let's talk about the Iowa women coming off that loss to Ohio State on Sunday. Um after you put together a win streak like that, I always feel like a loss is good for you in the long run, um, that it helps bring you down to earth, helps helps take some of the pressure off. Um, but I don't know, was there was there a little bit of good and bad to be seen out of that Ohio State loss from, from what you guys saw?
2: I think anytime you go on the road against a ranked team, no matter how highly ranked you are, um, it's gonna be a tough matchup, mm-hmm. especially when the crowd was so rocking in Ohio State's favor. The disappointing part was how the game played out. Yeah, Uh, They were winning by, I don't remember how much, like 10, 12. And I was like... I think they had a 12-point lead at one point. Yeah, I think it was 12. I was like, I was telling my girlfriend at the time, I was like, hey. Or my girlfriend, I was like, we were watching the game. And I was like, hey, we need to extend this to a 20-point lead because I know they're making a run. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they did. And they came back and... And got it to overtime, and I think I will hit the shot to go to overtime, right? Like, Ohio State was winning. Is that how it played out? Anyway, they just blew the doors off in overtime. So, there's good and bad. I think anytime you can light a fire under a Caitlin Clark-led team, like, it's real, I mean, it's a good thing.
3: I always been prone to letting leads go. The Seahawks game got very mm. close mm-hmm. at, towards the end. I think that's how Michigan State happened as well. Mm-hmm.
1: So, that's really tough, but... Yeah. That was one where they almost had a big lead. It got like the CyHawk game got tied with like four or five minutes left, and then I think Iowa pulled away a little bit more over the final Cy-Hawk, few minutes. They had the lead
2: with four minutes left. They did. The Cyclones, yeah. I remember. Oh, did yeah,
1: they really? Yeah. Okay.
2: And uh, they had a few big shots down the down the stretch. So, yeah.
1: I I think it's encouraging. Yeah, that you can go into an environment like that. I mean, that's literally every road game for Iowa is is a tough road environment because every game is selling out right now. So. Um, they know that they're gonna have to face it every game. I think that it is encouraging because um, Jan Jensen said after the game that there was like five or six players who had food poisoning in that game, um, slash flu, whatever it might be, Um, and so a lot of people were playing. I don't know who exactly those players were, um, but uh, you you know that there were some people that were not playing all the haters were like,
3: excuses! (laughs) Yeah,
1: and that's what she she even told me the other day when I was talking to her after the Beth Getz press conference, she's like, we we would never use that as a reason why we lost or, an excuse for losing or anything because these things happen. You can get food poisoning in the NCAA tournament. You just never know. So it's like you know you have to play through those type of things. But it does at least say something that, like, they were able to continue to keep it tight and take it to overtime against an Ohio State team like that um, in spite of having food poisoning and maybe some other players were not at 100%. Um, and here, here's a look ahead on the schedule. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see a full screen of the what's next for the Iowa women. Um, big time rivalry game coming up on Saturday against Nebraska, the Taylor Swift game. Um, and, and that's going to be, you know, that Nebraska always brings, they, for some reason I feel like Nebraska hates Caitlin maybe more than any other fan base other than Iowa State. Um, so they're going to bring a lot of energy. Then they have Northwestern on the road, then Maryland, where as we've spoken in the past, they've never won on, with Caitlin before, um. And uh, so that's going to be a tough road matchup. Then going at Penn State, who's got a pretty decent women's team this year. So, um, decently tough road ahead. I mean, no ranked opponents on the schedule, but um, a few teams on there that could definitely be NCAA tournament teams.
2: Yeah, I mean, just look at the win columns and the net, you know, on that top 30. And some me, got top 30, the good part about it is a lot of these are at home. That Maryland game really stands out, though, as, as a tough matchup. Mm-hmm um maryland has been at the top of the big 10 standings the past few years they're not this year they're kind of taking a step back from that big 10 title contender um so that's a game that you kind of need if you want a regular season big 10 title Hmm. like all four of them really yeah all right kaylin clark gets
1: nebraska over under 36 and a half (laughs) (laughs) i'll go under but i think she scores like 32 really i could see her going over because i think that that will be a close game um close ish i think it could be within a Six to eight point margin, um, so I think that Caitlin's going to play a lot of minutes. So I could see her going over for that game. Obviously.
3: Also, a little motivation for people relentlessly attacking her for getting attacked by a fan. Like, I, I can you imagine getting collided with and then people still blaming you for it, even though you were on the court?
1: Here's what I have to say to anybody who thinks that Caitlin Clark either initiated contact or flopped on that play. Um, yes, can you please also tell me about what shape you think the earth is? Um, is, it, is it round or is it flat? Um, could you tell me about uh, Stanley Kubrick's directing of uh, the fake moon landing at a soundstage in Burbank? Um, what, what, what do you think about any nefarious behavior at pizza parlors over the last few years? Is, is there some information in the Epstein documents that you would like to have come out? These people that say that she flopped are the biggest idiots that I can possibly imagine. Are you kidding me? I would like to take every single person that says that she flopped, have them run into each other, collide at full speed, and see what happens to their bodies. They're saying, oh, well, look, you see her her arms pushed outward when she collided with her, so she pushed her over. She's the one that abused the Ohio State fan. It's called oh, bracing for contact. She, she spin, and she fell to the floor to initiate contact, to, to just get sympathy after losing. So, these people that think that Caitlin Clark flopped and wanted to get sympathy, they they must think that she is the biggest criminal mastermind, most devious, brilliant, evil villain that they could possibly concoct that she, in the split second where she collides with this fan, you know what I could do? I could f- spin and fall to the floor, and then, even after I just dropped 45 points, people will have pity on me, even though I never asked for pity in any post-game press conference, they'll feel sorry for me because I was the one who was running if, you got to be kidding me with these idiots that are out here saying that she flopped in that game. That's the stupidest piece of crap opinion I've ever heard in my life.
2: Jeez, Louise, that's a hot take. It is well, so... No, it's no. not a hot take, it's just a fiery opinion is <laughs> <It's as> what I meant.
3: completely valid, though, because also no, I, she I said she him. got the wind knocked out of her, and that's why she was getting carried off the court. And people were criticizing her for being weak, getting carried off the court. Do you know what getting your wind knocked out means? It means you can't breathe. <laughs> it means you literally feel like you're dying because you're breathing and nothing is going in, and you feel like you're temporarily suffocating. So you go through that and see <laughs> if you can just walk all holly jolly yeah, off the
2: court. Yeah, exactly. We're getting too fired up. No, I agree. It's one of the dumbest conversations uh, I've seen in sports discourse, and it was like a national topic, which is the weird
1: part. No, but then ESPN ran with it. Matt Barry, who I always really liked, um, he was partners with Sage Steele for the Noon Sports Center for a long time, and I really liked that edition of Sports Center for a while. Did Sage rub off on him? <laughs> Matt, I, I bet Sage would have been on Caitlin's side. On, I mean, who knows? I don't know about a lot of opinions out there but Matt Berry was on the call for I was a uh, bowl game against Kentucky always had a soft spot for the guy but immediately posting reposting the video he goes that's a flop I'm like give me a dang break Matt Berry what the hell are you it's, talking it's about It
2: makes me think that a lot of people are just out for engagement because it you know this is kind of the age we're in but I I just go back to Curtis and I are in the same like a rec soccer league and this past season I don't know if you you were here I ran into someone, it probably looked a a lot similar to that. I ran into this guy who was like twice my size Mm -hmm. and I didn't see him and I fell down and I was like, okay, but I did get the wind knocked out of me a little bit and I stayed down for like 30 seconds, just kind of like composing myself because it does hurt. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure if someone videotaped it, it didn't look that bad. It's just, I wasn't looking, I didn't see it. And we, boom, two two forces coming. And that's kind of just what happened. And that's what happens when, when people run into each other and they, they're not looking. She didn't expect it. The fan didn't expect it. I don't blame the fan because, I mean, there's a discussion about court storming. Yeah. Um, that you can have that's separate than this dumb conversation we're having.
3: And Caitlin doesn't mind either. She yeah. says it's fine to court storm. They have every right to do that. Right. But, I mean, I mean, you can argue never they don't.
2: But yeah. you buy a ticket and you're you on the, you know, the fine print It says you're not supposed to go on those. I've stormed several courts, I was there at Carver when we stormed uh, in in 2000, what was it, 2011 or 12 when they beat third ranked Purdue. Uh, I stormed uh, two years ago at Penn State in Kinnick. I enjoy it, Mm -hmm. but I can see the dangers too.
1: You had the Ohio State, what was it, the video director or something like that, he was the one that tweeted, I don't know, it looked like Caitlin sure had a lot of room to run on both sides of that fan. Like he was blaming her because. Why do you think she was running? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not to mention that there were security guards on both sides of her, so they were, like, guiding her towards the direction that she was supposed to go. And he and ran you
3: out. saw her. Her head was on a swivel looking everywhere except right in front of her because she's worried about everybody coming at her.
1: Freaking idiots out there saying that she initiated... And I think the reason why fall. we're so
3: amped up like this is because we've seen Caitlyn all the time, and we know who she is, mm-hmm. and we know that she's not one that is eager for conflict, nobody in that Hawkeye locker room is eager for conflict, even when you've had Kim Mulkey, Don Staley, and all these random trolls come at them, they have never, you always want that little subtle smirk like, eh, not bad for 18 shots, right? (laughs) You never even get that! They throw no shade, so it's so weird how they keep coming at them.
1: I, here would be my possible uh, rectifying idea for how to fix court storming, because I feel like you can't you can't take away Court Storm because it's a such a big part of college basketball and football that like, and it's a great college experience. I love that fans get the chance to Court Storm. Like it's a really fun experience. I get a chance to do it uh, when I would when you and I beat um, North Carolina when they were number one in the nation and they beat them at the McLeod Center. Um, I feel like what you could do is just say, like, okay, we're gonna allow court storming. Anybody can storm a court, but just stay off the court for like the 30 seconds after the game ends and allow the opponents to get to the locker room and then let the floodgates open, pull the ropes back and let the fans run on the court. It seems like that would not be terribly difficult to at least enact that, to just tell all the fans if as long as they know what to expect. They know that like if we win this game, we can go on the court. We just have to wait for the opposing team to leave and go to the locker room and then we can run on the field and celebrate. Would that not fix things?
2: I think it defeats the purpose. It's like a it's like a, it's a spur of the moment,
1: let's go right now, clock at zero. I mean, the home yeah. team loves it too.
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: And by the way, you guys get to storm. Like, I went to a max school. This <laughs> never happens. You guys never beat a ranked uh, well, I mean, Power 5 opponent I or anything? I thought that this past year when Ohio University beat Iowa State, they would have stormed the field, but mm-hmm. then I realized that they leave after it's the Iowa State. 110. Well, the thing is is that there well there's not a lot of um there's not a lot of fans that are left in the stadium because they all stay for the first half. They pregame beforehand. They stay for the first half. They watch the Ohio Marching 110 do a really cool halftime show and then they leave in the third quarter. Yeah. Unless they offer they have one game where they offer like uh free tuition for the next semester and then everybody stays for that and wow. then once the raffles reveal they all leave.
2: <laughs> That's enough Ohio Bobcat talk for that.
1: <laughs> I I, uh, Cyclone Larry was one of the first ones I saw a tweet about like oh she blah 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 I'm like oh wow what a he idiot. mocked
3: her cereal box are we really gonna take this into but account but
1: then I saw like catching on I'm putting a like... Cyclone Larry ban on this podcast <laughs> but then it caught on and like everybody was saying it like when I made the tweet a couple days later about like kind of you know uh, ironically saying that I've heard that she's not a role model. If she took that picture with a handicapped Ohio State fan, people were like, well, she's sure taking classes and flopping. She sure is a good flopper. She, It's definitely pro- it's proven that she flopped. I'm like, who's proving this? Again, get these people, run them into each other at full speed, and see who comes out. Oh, man, this is ridiculous. Freaking flat earthers out here <laughs> saying that Caitlin Clark flopped. Give me a break. Um do I wanna make, make any more points about this? Here's the biggest thing that I would say about Caitlin, I think that at least is to her credit, is that we are in a day of conspiracy theorists. I don't know why this is, but we are in a time period right now where conspiracy theories are off the charts, and that is a popular thing, to be a conspiracy theorist. The more something becomes true and universally liked and accepted as a fact, such as the earth is round, then there's just gonna be a fringe type of people out there that say like, actually, you know what? The earth is actually flat. The more that Caitlin Clark gets accepted and widely known as like, a um, universally well-liked person, somebody who is great for the game and who is universally well-known, well-respected across the country. Actually, you know what, she's a flopper and she's not a role model and she told her coach to F off one time, as somebody tells me, I don't know that that's verified, but that's what somebody says in their defense of her not being a role model. So it almost speaks to her credit, the fact that she's so well-known, well-liked, well-respected around the country then the more people that are conspiracy theorists are going to come out and say, like, well, actually, guess what? I have the real inside information. That's all people want, to try to pretend like they actually know the real truth.
2: Is that certain somebody own a restaurant in Iowa City? All right, moving on. Um, (laughs) Green Goblin was
1: ahead of his time. (laughs) He may have some relatives who have played for...
2: Some housekeeping before we wrap up today. Uh, Just the end of the Ohio State game, and I just looked up the box score. Mm -hmm. So Iowa was down... Uh, one point after uh, two-pointer, like, with uh, 16 seconds left, and then Hannah hit one or two free throws to send the game into overtime. Mm-hmm. And then that's where Ohio State kind of blew the doors off. But looking back at the um, putting a bow on this college basketball, Iowa currently tied with Indiana, first in the Big Ten standings. Ohio State, six and one. They're in third place, technically. Mm-hmm. Uh, Indiana Iowa got one more win, so they're up in the standings. So, These next four games, I think, are huge, especially because Nebraska is sitting in fourth place right now.
1: Yeah, definitely control your own destiny. Mm -hmm. Um, Still control the possibility of a Big Ten championship, um, regular season and tournament. Um, Control the destiny for being a um, one seed in the tournament.
2: Oh, again, like we talked about last week, Iowa was the number two overall seed in Bracketology. After this game, they dropped to a two seed. Really? Yeah.
3: That's what I was saying, because the second that (laughs) Iowa loses, they say that it's Caitlin versus everybody and they will plummet, mm-hmm. so they well, have On the rankings,
2: to-, to be fair, they only dropped to five. I don't know if you consider that plummeting.
3: Yeah, but when it comes to the rankings that matter. Yeah. Because if there's two teams fighting for a one seed, that's what they're gonna use. So Iowa has to be, at least demonstrate competence from the role players or essentially be
1: nearly perfect? And I never know when those bracketology things come out or projections, that kind of thing for seeds. It's like, okay, so is this saying like what it will be in two months or is this saying like if the tournament started today? That they I think it's the latter. Really?
2: Like okay. here's the resume up to today.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. um, which yeah is somewhat fair. I mean, there's a lot of teams that have some pretty impressive resumes out there, including Well, UCLA, who had moved up to number two, but then they lost the other night. And so, you know, that could all change in terms
2: of... UCLA, Colorado, you know, I think South Carolina is pretty much in that one seed.
3: The only goal is to be on the opposite side of the bracket of South Carolina. Mm -hmm. If you're the Hawkeyes, you don't want to face them until you absolutely have to. And then at that point, let the best team win.
1: I'm still super interested with the SEC seeing USC and LSU face off against each other because they're going to play each other, I think, probably at least... Probably three times this year between the regular season and SEC tournament. Um, I feel bad for Haley there. Van Lith, man. She has gone through the ringer. It's been a tough road for for those gals down in Baton Rouge at, at times this season. But they've taken which a I don't think Hawkeye
3: fans are feeling that sorry I'd, for anyway. I'd be curious
1: if uh, if USC gives them a dose or if LSU comes and hands South Carolina their first loss of the year. So are you one of those people that calls South Carolina USC instead of the Trojans. Uh, I, well, I call them both USC, but I have some close friends who are South Carolina fans, and so I've kind of gotten in the habit of calling them USC as well, so... Um that we have the outro music officially playing so let's bring up the uh the full screen with the social media so i can remember what social medias we can plug you can follow i on the hawks on x you can follow us on youtube um, if you're in the mood for not listening but watching along with us as we have the highlights and sound bites playing you can do that on youtube when we do the live stream follow us on instagram we're going to keep you updated with future episodes of i on the hawks when we're going to be recording and when we're going to be coming out with new episodes. Should be doing it on a weekly basis regularly on Thursdays here at Iowa's News Now. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'll see you again next time.